Well, 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 Chandler, we are back at long last. How does it feel to be looking at my face right now? It feels wonderful. Um, we are recording on video back in the saddle. You look so cute. I love your hair. What is the style you have going on? <laughs> what is the style? How does she do it? Uh, it's a ponytail? Yeah, but it's a special ponytail with like a, a special middle part. Don't be coy with me. I know you watched some TikTok video on how to do this this hairstyle. You're gatekeeping beauty secrets. Um, the trick, I, I have to not look at myself because I do that on Zoom all the time. You'll fall in love. I want to work on because I look so good. Lauren, this is just a simple ponytail. There is some volume in my hair because it's dirty. Okay. Well, you look great. Um, can we talk actually something a little beauty related? Are we going to be talking about a specific beauty challenge that you're facing right now? No. This is, I love Chandler the way she's like, just to preempt whatever about your, you're going to say, if it's about you, I'm not interested. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's just that. So I, you know, I'm on this journey of doing my own makeup for my wedding. I guess this is a beauty challenge for myself. Um, but one of the things I want to shout out on this podcast is just how nice it is that we are sisters with Courtney Grow. Mm. You know, I just am personally so lazy. Like I do not have it in me to try all the new products, right. to watch the tutorials. Like I have been doing my concealer, uh, tinted moisturizer, blush, you know, grocery store, grocery products. store makeup generally since high school. It's amazing because Lauren loves a Garnier Fructis, Fructis, whatever, however you say it. Lauren loves a L'Oreal makeup, grocery store CVS aisle. It's shocking. It's pretty atrocious. I always just think like, oh, all the lotions and potions are the same. You know, I'm kind of curmudgeon-y when it comes to any sort of beauty product. And I've always just assumed that it's all a big, you know, it's all a big sham when you walk into like Sephora. It's a testament to genetics. I will say that because I don't think that people would be able to tell that you use aisle three products. <laughs> Whenever I walk into like Bloomingdale's makeup section, I'm like, people just need to, everyone, listen up. If we all walk to CVS down the street, we can get all of this for 10% of the price. And I mean, there is some truth to that. There is some truth to that for sure. It's honestly where it concerns me the most is in your shampoos. Like I think- that is where it gets to be, you know, grave. And when people ask me, not that people ask me for beauty tips, but when they might ask me where my shampoo, yeah, it's just, I have to reveal essentially that all of it is bare bones because I'm truly lazy. It's not an absence of vanity. Yeah. It's an absence of work ethic. Yeah. And so all to say when we were staying with Courtney, you know, last month, um, I bemoaned her the fact that I needed to learn how to do my makeup properly because mm -hmm. there's no chance I could get it professionally done after my makeup trial in Mexico and the results of that, which were gruesome to say the least. And Courtney, of course, was like, come up to my lair and I will, I will layer upon you yeah. some beautiful powders and liquids and right. all the magic potions. And truly when she did my makeup, I was like, oh, they're not, it's not all the same. No. Like, I look better than I've ever looked. Right. I wasn't so. going to say it, so I'm glad you did. <laughs> and it's just so nice to have her be like, no, this is what you need. These yeah. are the things. This is how you do it. Yeah. Go buy it and just be done. And I didn't have to do any of that research. Yeah. She knows the techniques. She also knows what products are important to, uh, you know, spend the money on and which ones aren't. She's our own Bethany Frankel. Mm, I don't, Bethany Frankel? Like she does all those makeup reviews on TikTok. Oh, that's right. You know, anyways, okay, um, I'm living under a rock. Let's move on though. Enough, enough praising Courtney. Okay. Well, I just want to say, because I think there are some listeners of ours who maybe aren't familiar, who came from Kate Casey or Ariel Laurie or some other, other podcasts we've been on. So I just want to shout out Courtney. If you're not following our sister, Courtney Grow, it is at the peril of your own looks. Okay. Yeah, absolutely true. Um, how's your week been? My week has been good. My week has been good. Um, nothing major to report, just wedding planning and working and back in the groove. Yeah. What, what about you? It's been good. I will say I had like an all-time high PMS situation where oh, really? I was for like about 48 hours straight. Everything made me cry. And it's really funny and it's a testament to maybe – you know, how good the people are around me because I was truly on the verge of something. I was like the lethal combination of like highly emotional and then also highly unmotivated 
So, you know, I, yeah, like I said, a lethal combo. So I'm coming off the heels of that. Great. Well, this should be a fun episode then. It'll be, no, I'm actually, I'm, I'm out of the woods. Um, I think my hormones have stabilized, but yesterday Ben was, Ben was leaving for a work trip and you would have thought he was going to, you know, serve his fourth tour in Iraq because I would (laughs) feel sad. No, he's going like three hours upstate for three days. And I was like, yeah, I, I had like three different crying incidents, but we can just move right along. You know, our mom's lessons to play it cool, to always keep a man guessing, to always keep him on his toes. It was like oil and water. I guess none of those seeped in, did they? Oh, none of them. Literally, if there's one thing Ben won't have to do is guess about my feelings for him. So <laughs> yeah. cross that off the list. Um, One other actually beauty related thing that I, so kind of going. Oh, wait, back we're back to, to your beauty. Was... We're going back to your beauty. I just want to know if anyone has been able to conquer keeping their hair curled in humidity. If you have been able to actually do this, please let me know and what products I need because I do want that optionality um, in Cancun. But anyway, moving on. Okay, um, great. You could have done that literally on an Instagram story. You did not need to fill up airtime with that. So anyways. So sorry. There's going to be a healthy dose of selfish wedding content until mid-December. And right. I apologize to everyone in, in advance. You don't have to apologize to me. You gave me a diamond tennis bracelet. And it's like a purity ring. Like every time I or like a promise ring, every time I falter and I start to feel slightly annoyed with some wedding complaints, I just look down at my left wrist and all is well. It just, you know, gratitude washes over me. So you really did well with that. Okay. Well, thank you for bringing that up actually, (laughs) because I need to remember that more often whenever you get annoyed with me, which I feel like it's not infrequently. Um, So I can (laughs) remind you that you are forever my debt. (laughs) Also, I think we should say that we need to tell that story at some point to everyone, not just the Patreon. We don't need to tease it, baby. Let's just tell it. Okay. Well, why don't you tell it? Because I'm leading the deep dive today and it's going to be a lot of my voice. Not a problem. Um, Okay. This story begins actually more like two months ago when, you know, Lauren and I text every day, multiple times a day. We speak on the phone usually at least twice a day we have for sure anxious attachment with each other. But, you know, there's a lot of wedding things that we're talking about, you know, details we Lauren wants to go over with me, which I'm happy to talk about, love giving advice in, you know, especially when it's solicited. So Lauren texts me and she goes, I have an idea for my bridal party. And I'm like, great, I'm a part of this. Sounds like some type of gift. Um, I'm like, yeah, what is it? And she goes, I want to get everyone a gold bangle with my wedding date engraved on it. And <laughs> let me tell you, when I read those words, when I read the, those words pop up on my screen, I kind of let out a big sigh. And I was just kind of like, okay, you know what? This is when you just need to put up and shut up, stiff up her lip, and you just need to be supportive. Lie back and think of England. Yeah. And I was like, you know, because... With with wedding stuff, things can be sensitive and I just, you know, I want to be supportive. So I just said, that sounds great. And then she followed it up by saying, you know, it's going to be like a Cartier love bracelet. And I've always wanted one of those because, you know, I'm a white girl in America. And I was like, that sounds great. You know, that, that'll be cute. Maybe the wedding date will be discreet. And, you know, it'll be a cute little piece of jewelry. It'll be real gold, which I can melt down at, you know, at the very least. <laughs> <laughs> I can melt down and use for for parts for my computer. Literally. Literally. So she's like already like getting quotes from welders on like, <laughs> like where's the nearest ca- cash for gold? <laughs> if I want to distill this into a pure alloy. Can I get a quote? And then what I could, you know, get it for on the black market here in New York. I would be lying if I said that. Honestly, I hadn't crossed my mind. Chrissy's like already on the case, like getting quotes for you for how to like liquidate your wedding gift. Oh my gosh. Like three days after I told you about it. Can I pay off my student loans with this bracelet? <laughs> well, here's the deal. So I had it made through Casita Jewelry. I was I was having these, you know, bangles made through Casita Jewelry in theory with my dear friend, Sara, who's my bestie. And anyway, um, the point was that I told Chandler, you know, they're going to be really high quality, like a Cartier love bracelet. Obviously, they're not going to cost seven grand, but they're going to be really high quality. And so I need your exact wrist measurements. Yeah. So I need you to send that to me. So I send, you know, my wrist measurement measure measurements to Sara. And then I kind of forget about it, knowing that I have this potential, you know, liquidated <laughs> gold coming down the, the line in the near future. Let me just restate for people. 
a solid gold bangle with my wedding date engraved on it, not inside of it, on it. Okay. So that every time people can think of my wedding every day when they wear this bangle. I wish I had the screenshot pulled up when you tell me that it's going to have your wedding date engraved on it. Like, I think that's when I kind of lost it. And I was just like, just hold on, just be supportive, just grin and bear it. Like she has gone full bride crazy. I literally said obsessed. Can't wait. (laughs) Yes. You are so nice about it. So then I forget about it and we're at Lauren's bachelorette party and we have made sweatshirts for the entire group and Lauren's handing them out along with handwritten cards that I also balked at. Um, The other other thing I just want to say is the fact that you believed me the fact that you believed me that I was going to do the bangle with my wedding date on it is so disturbing and says so much about myself. I need to question everything I've ever done or said <laughs> that you think I'm the type of person that would actually do that. Honestly, I thought it was not the greatest idea you'd ever had, but out of sisterly love and devotion to you and you know pure support and wanting nothing but good vibes, I was on board. And you know what? I'd still wear a gold bangle with your wedding date on it if you asked me to. Wow. Okay. Well, that is devotion. Um, Well, Chandler, should we move on to the topic at hand? Yes, please. Another kind of love, not necessarily sisterly love, but romantic love. Please. I would love it. Okay. So you guys, we are back talking about Gwyneth Paltrow's lovers through time. And I mistakenly thought that we had completed everything up through the pre-Martin era, Chandler. But Imagine my dismay when I went to finish researching and prepping for this episode and we had multiple men to get through before we get to Chris Martin. Like many men. Okay. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Who do we miss? Um, Like six people. So anyway, not to slut shame, but six. I think that Taylor Swift would also be another great person to do this on because if anyone also has like a great and let's just say elaborate and lavish dating history and romance history it's taylor swift it's taylor swift also we're getting a new album this week gerger loins yeah. well gwyneth walked so taylor could run um and here we are so let's let's return to gwyneth paltrow's lovers so at the end of last episode if you all remember we finished with the tidbit of gwyneth stating that ben affleck's perfect girl would be a stripper in a bikini or any sort of stripper at scores anyone that right. serves cold beer in a bikini All right. So after Ben Affleck, she moves on to Scott Speedman. He just was a big star in the 90s. They were seen nuzzling at a Playboy Mansion party. He was in Felicity. Oh, hold on. I've seen Scott Speedway. I've I've seen Felicity. Scott Speedman. Scott Speedman. And Chandler. Yeah, he's hot. He's hot. He was in Felicity. I've seen him. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they're all hot, but yes. Moving along. Okay, the next is Chris Hines, the heir to the ketchup fortune. And honestly, I know she had some cool flicks and was contemplating a newsletter probably in 2001 at the time she was dating Chris Hines. But I don't know. I mean, letting letting a guy with a family worth over 600 million get away just seems just seems a little uh, a little short sighted. Yeah, just seems maybe even maybe even then, though, early Gwyneth could not, you know, stand the fact that there was that much added sugar and ketchup, you know. Maybe if he'd been that the heir to Primal point. Kitchen, but he wasn't. He was heir to Heinz, not Primal Kitchen. That's a that's a great point. I mean, as you'd expect from a romance with an heir, there's yeah. not much known. Their romance was very secretive, very private. Yep. Um there was a sighting of them arm in arm at some gallery opening, very classy. And Gwyneth apparently called Chris a breath of fresh air after all the Hollywood guys she wow. had dated. Just, uh, But it's just another rich, hot guy. But yeah, breath of fresh air. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Moving on to another rich, hot guy. But yeah. maybe of a different flavor, of a distinctly different flavor. Chandler, we have Luke Wilson in 2001. So Gwyneth and Luke struck up a romance on the set of the Royal Tenenbaums. Mm-hmm. And they actually had a relationship that allegedly lasted for a year really wow yes during that time they reportedly rented a california beach house together together they never talked about their relationship publicly but there are paparazzi photos of them together i really like luke wilson i feel like he would be a great guy to date he he seems to have great energy in my opinion Luke Wilson is fabulous. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I completely agree. Um, in 2001, 
she was interviewed, and this was at the time she was dating him by Harper's Bazaar, and they asked her what her ideal man would be. Mm-hmm. And she said, he's tall and thin, but muscular, to start with the superficial. A gentleman. <laughs> I don't know if this is how she said it, but I'm taking She actually said liberties. tall and thin to start with the superficial? Yeah. That's yeah. hilarious. Okay. She said, he's tall and thin, but muscular, to start with the superficial. A gentleman. Someone who's well-educated, funny, witty, artistic, and has a lot of integrity. He doesn't have to grab all the attention in the room, and he's a good kisser. Oh. I mean, seems like definitely could, you know, fit the bill for Luke. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, but moving right along, Chandler, um, I want to play you a song really quick. I love it when you do this. All right, Chandler, so... Yeah. In 2002, moving right along from Luke Wilson, Gwyneth slides into the arms of a, another gentleman, but this time she moves away from an actor to a songstress. This would be the beginning of her, you know, musician phase, as we could call it. Ever heard this one, Chandler? Yes, of course. But I don't know who it is. I want to say Creed, but I know that's wrong. Steven Tyler? This is one Brian Adams, Canadian singer. This was actually written for Gwyneth Paltrow. Really? No, I just made that up. But um, I like to think it because they did have a brief year-long romance. Wow. I'm trying to look up young Brian Adams because was he really hot? I don't. I think with the musicians, there's like a musician distortion field sure, sure. that women enter. Yeah. Um, because you know, obviously, he wasn't not hot at all. He was pretty cute. There's something about beautiful music being emitted from a human being that elevates them tenfold. So true. So true. Okay. She was pictured on the back of his motorcycle. Okay. Um, And the star burned bright and out. It was a brief romance, a rumored romance with one photo. Mm -hmm. Um, And anyway, I just really wanted an excuse to play this song. Do you love that song? Um, I don't necessarily like love this song. I don't like I'm not planning to play it on my wedding evening, but I do think that it's a famous song. And so it's just interesting to play. Yeah, that's yeah. all. I thought it yeah. would add some flavor and dimension texture to this recording. Honestly, we we had no idea what was coming after Ben Affleck. It's so true. I mean, there's just so much to get through. So moving right along, um, she dated one James Purefoy, a British okay. actor. Um, no they were photographed together. Yeah, I mean, no clue. Honestly, who cares? Let's move on. Um, <laughs> there's not much there. So this is interesting. So our final suitor, our final gentleman before Chris Martin was one King Felipe of Spain, rumored to be what? dating in 2002. Yes. A King? Paltrow spent time with King Felipe of Spain. She does speak fluent Spanish and lived in Spain for a study abroad in high school. And yes, was rumored to be dating King Felipe. I I think it was when he was a prince. So she was dating Prince Felipe at the time. Are there any photos? There are no photos, but it's widely reported, widely rumored, not just on, you know, obscure Reddit posts. Wow. Yeah, he was handsome. I mean, yeah, wow. I know. He's he's definitely hot for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, and Queen, I think it's Letizia, is gorgeous. What a woman. What a life she's lived. All right, Chandler. Well, this begins the distinct and historic Martin era. And Chandler, this was a whirlwind romance, let me tell you. So three weeks after the tragic death of her father, Bruce Paltrow, mm-hmm. Gwyneth was just a stunning starlet backstage at a Coldplay concert. And the front man and her, well, let's just say they locked eyes and there was magic because what ensued was a year-long whirlwind romance, okay? Mm -hmm. They were married within a year and then she was pregnant with Apple a year and a month after they met. So kind of an interesting psychological maybe overlay or tale there. Yeah, Maybe replacing a a father figure or Mm -hmm. some sort of, you know, man in her life. Right. And the reason why I'm playing Fix You in the background is because Chris Martin wrote this song about Gwyneth Paltrow after the death of her father. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, and she said that for her, or at the time, apparently, she was a total wreck. Yeah, I'm sure. And as Chris Martin says, he tried to fix her. Anyway, very stirring. Wow. Wait, play. I actually play a little bit more of the song because I couldn't hear it super well. And the tears come streaming down your face 
It is a very, very, very lovely song. Looks like I'm going to be on a Coldplay bender for the rest of the day. So let's go. I know. Pretty special. We had a listener write in that says that basically you can trace the course of their relationship and its dissolution through his music. Really? Um, So I think, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. And so maybe that could be another deep dive in itself. But, you know, part of the, the Chris Martin and Gwyneth Paltrow mythology was really rooted in him feeling like you know not necessarily worthy of her Mm -hmm. so he was more of like a nerd in high school and just not necessarily someone who felt worthy of you know not only the popular girl at school but the one of the most popular girls in the world right right. so there's a quote where he says from being a loser to going out with an oscar winner it's a giant leap let's face it it's like winning the lottery Mm -hmm. So a a few things kind of leading up to their marriage. They were spotted house hunting in North London about a year after they met. And then during a BBC interview, a few days after that, Gwyneth was asked if she was planning to tie the knot. And she said, I hope so. Ask him. Wow. So that's really cute. Um, One thing that's very interesting is that they basically eloped. Really? They had a surprise event in Santa Barbara, California. And no family members were in attendance, not even Gwyneth's mother, wife Danner. So, yeah. And I tried to find more information on that. Like, why? Yeah. Like, what was the party? What was Mm -hmm. the ceremony? Right. But one of the things that I think is interesting about Gwyneth's second marriage and wedding is that she really had the traditional bride thing. Like, she wore a big dress. You know, she didn't do the second wedding thing. She hadn't had a first wedding. Yeah. And I think that's because she never had one with, you know, she didn't have a big wedding. And she had never been, you know, a bride in that way. I wonder if perhaps, knowing how close she was to her dad and knowing how close she was to her whole family... If it was maybe just too painful to not have him there, like if that absence would have been felt too much. And so it was just simpler for her in that state to just elope. Who knows? I mean, in this fever dream of just recreating the past, Gwyneth Paltrow's romantic past, I would say Mm -hmm. that what I I would surmise is that she was so devastated by the loss of her father. She was kind of on an emotional bender and she fell really deep and hard for you know, let's just not, let's also not understate the level of just adulation that was thrown at Chris Martin during this time. I mean, he was basically the biggest rock star in the world. Right. Um, Coldplay was huge. Everyone was obsessed. And so I think that, you know, she probably lost herself in that romance a little bit and just kind of had an impulsive wedding ceremony probably when she found out she was pregnant. This was in 2003. In 2004, Mm -hmm. they welcome Apple, Mm -hmm. followed by Moses in 2006, their Mm -hmm. daughter and son, respectively. Um, She also, I don't know if you know this, trigger warning, you know, um, but she did reveal that she had a miscarriage with a third child, Um, but she never specified when she lost the baby. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, that's so sad. Um, It was actually in this interview that Gwyneth gave that she hinted at marriage troubles okay. because in it, she praised Chris as a co-parent. This is what she says in this interview, this kind of foreboding interview. She says, yeah. regardless of what happens in our marriage, I chose the best father. Chris is so good to the children and to know that you had kids with such a good man is a real weight off you. We are committed co-parents. We make all the decisions together and lean on each other for support. I mean, her saying, regardless of what happens with our marriage, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's definitely foreboding. I don't think there's any stronger context clues than that. Right, right. Wow. 
She also was quoted as saying, you're not learning anything unless you're having the difficult conversations. Dealing with things directly changed my relationship. Sometimes when you get clear about who you are, others get less comfortable because they liked who you were. It's changed my marriage, she said, but he's up for the challenge. Well, perhaps he was not after all. So do you want to talk about the moment that Gwyneth knew that it was over with Chris Martin? Yes, yes. One thing I want to say really briefly is that During their relationship, Chris Martin was kind of strangely cagey about his relationship with Gwyneth Paltrow. Okay. Um, He did not like any paparazzi photos of them. They did not walk red carpets together. He was very, like, shy of any sort of attention. Okay. And so there's definitely some weird energy there. I'm not sure how that played into it. Um, But he was definitely, definitely devastated by the dissolution um in the wake of the divorce or in the wake of their separation and conscious uncoupling he was quoted basically talking about how he felt like a complete and abject failure really um yeah but we'll rewind a little bit to when gwyneth knew it was over so they get married in 2003 Mm-hmm. And then about, you know, eight years later, she says it was her 38th birthday. And this wasn't when they got a divorce, but it was when she knew it was over. Yeah. So this is from the very eloquent and poetic lyrical essay she she is said to have written, although I find it hard to believe. No offense, Gwyneth. But um, this is what she says. It was my birthday, my 38th. My ex-husband and I were tucked away in the Tuscan countryside on a hill in a beautiful cottage with a view of the forest. Fall was coming. The leaves were just loosening their grip on the bright green. Inside, the cottage was perfectly appointed in the way you dream of for a birthday trip. Cozy living room with a fireplace. Kitchen table overflowing with spoils from the farm nearby. Peaches, tomatoes on the vine, basil, eggs. I don't recall when it happened exactly. I don't remember which day of the weekend it was or the time of day. But I knew. Despite long walks and longer lions, big glasses of Barlow and hands held, my marriage was over. Okay. I was expecting more than just like her listing off the groceries in the fridge and then saying that that was like, what? Okay. Well, she does give us a little more. I'll finish this. She says, what I do remember is that it felt almost involuntary, like the ringing of a bell that has sounded and cannot be undone, that inadvertent release of a helium balloon into the sky. I tried to quell that knowing, to push it far down. I tried to convince myself it had been a fleeting thought, that marriage is complicated and ebbed and flowed, but I knew it. It was in my bones. Okay, can you understand why I don't think she actually wrote this? Yeah, I mean, I just feel like that's a lot of poetry, Not that she's not eloquent, but that's just, it's like fanfic. Someone wrote fanfic about how their marriage ended. Yes. So my friend, we used to be like work in publishing and she said that all celebrity articles are written by other people and they just basically like, yeah. So I don't think she actually wrote this. I think it would take honestly, like actually being a writer to be able to come up with this. No offense, but that, you know. Yeah. It's like fanfic. Yeah, it's it is almost verging on Kate Bosworth territory, who wrote what can only be described as like a TMI seventh grade live journal obsession post to announce her divorce on Instagram. Oh, I don't even remember this. Oh, you don't? Oh, let me see if I can pull it up, actually, because it's like worth a detour. Okay, right? so it's an Instagram post. It is a honestly gorgeous, amazing photo. Yeah. Um of the two of them ensconced in what can only be described as love. Yes. Deep love. Her, Kate Bosworth and her ex, he was like a photographer named Michael something. Yeah. Who knows? Here we go. And we're opening up with some quotes. Ready? Quote, do you want to split a burger? Yes. Quote, how about a shot of whiskey? Hell yes. Big Sur 2011. She's quoting that time. I'm sure that was like a conversation between the yeah. two of them. The beginning is often the best part of love. Fireworks, magnets, rebellion, the attraction. The onset signals a wide open expanse of possibility. Split a burger with someone when you are falling in love and you can die happily knowing this is your last meal. Buy a bottle of whiskey and share shots. Pour me a waterfall. Play that perfect song on the jukebox and dance with someone you have known your whole life, though you met minutes ago. Inherently, we fear an ending. To lose what you have because you got what you wanted. To be attached to the expectation of the outcome. To the great unknown. What if we choose not to fear 
but instead to love. If that most delicate and vulnerable last flicker to the flame became another type of furnace entirely. Perhaps this will sound strange to some, romantic to others. To us, this is truth. Our hearts are full as we have never been so enamored and deeply grateful for one another as we do in this decision to separate. Together over the last 10 years, Michael and I have chosen love every time. We hold hands as tightly today as we entangled fingers on our wedding day. Our eyes look more deeply into one another with more courage now. In the process of letting go, we have come to acknowledge that our love will never end. The connection does not simply disappear. The love deepens. The heart expands. I'm also just processing as I'm reading too. Can I finish this off? This last paragraph? Mm -hmm. I just want to say this in the tone that I'm reading it in. We know the 4 a.m. calls are coming. Songs will be exchanged to communicate only what songs can do. We laugh as we plan for our next movie together and are excited to share our latest collaboration. We believe the most epic love stories are those which transcend expectation. Our greatest honor has been to experience love like this and to continue to marvel at the beauty of love's evolution. What happens when we reach the end of something and realize we are just at the beginning? This is love. And we will drink that down. Kate plus Michael. I can't tell whether it's a wedding announcement or a divorce announcement. <laughs> um, the best are the comments. Someone wrote, this is like the third comment down. But they said, this sounds like a beep person wrote it. It literally makes no sense at all. It's word salad written by someone who believes they're very intelligent, but in reality doesn't have a grasp on the English language and doesn't know what words actually mean. Oh my gosh. The word salad is so true though. It's like an AI wrote this. There's just something about like writing fan fiction or low-key erotica yeah. about your own divorce. I think that just puts you on a different plane of buying your own bullshit. <laughs> I mean, right, really, right, right, like, right. <laughs> Here's the thing. Not that divorce is failure at all, but I think there's a degree of you don't want to accept that something was broken. Mm-hmm. And and that is fair and valid. And like, you know, if, if things were to end in my relationship, like I'd want to also, you know, make it about how much we triumphed or like how much, who knows, like you just want to be able to spin it into something that is like for your best. And that's mm-hmm. what this feels like, but like on steroids where it's like, yeah, our love is, our love is tighter than it was ever before, but we're getting a divorce. Well, it's like, well, that's just not true. Like something broke down. I think the reason why it's so mockable is because it, you know, strains credulity. Like you right. can't imagine that really a divorce or a separation is really done with in like not only the absence of acrimony, but basically like still in the depths of romance and love. Right, right. But back to Gwyneth. It was after 10 years of marriage, Chandler, that Gwyneth announced their conscious uncoupling in March 2014. Mm-hmm. They remained close friends while co-parenting their children. Okay, so I'm going to play a quote from Gwyneth discussing how she successfully co-parents with one Drew Barrymore. I really wanted my kids to not be traumatized if it were possible. Chris and I committed to putting them first and that's harder than it looks because some days you really don't want to be with the person that you're getting divorced from. But if you're committed to having a family dinner, then you do it and you take a deep breath and you look the person in the eye and you remember your pact and you smile and you hug and you make a joke and you just recommit to this new relationship that you are trying to foster. None of us want to get it wrong for our kids, but just because of what happened in the marriage is not about the parenting. This is about their relationship with their dad and their mom, not about their relationship with your marriage. You know, you said it, it's like you're ending a marriage, but you're still in a family. Like that's how it will be forever. Some days it's not as good as it looks, you know, like we also have good days and bad days, but I think it's driving towards the same purpose of unity and, and love and really what's best for them. And we have this idea that just because we break up, we can't love the things about the person anymore that we loved. So very admirable, the the commitment to conscious uncoupling for the sake of the stability of their family. However, Chandler, I will say that, you know, it wasn't necessarily the most noble of circumstances that it is rumored, allegedly, that Gwyneth and Brad Felchuk 
got together. So if we look at the timeline, okay, okay. they got married in 2003, Apple's born in 2004, and then 10 years later, they divorced in 2014 when Gwyneth uh-huh. is 42. Okay. But if we rewind the clock, if we read between the lines or actually read what the lines say in that article, she writes about her 38th birthday, knowing that her marriage is over. Well, Chandler, coincidentally, that's 2010. Okay. Four years before the conscious uncoupling announcement. Same year, she meets one Brad Falchuk when she stars in Glee or Mm -hmm. guest stars in Glee. Mm -hmm. So people on the set said they were fast friends that you could tell that they really got along. Yeah. And it is rumored that their relationship is actually what, you know, caused the fracture and what created the uncoupling yeah, that, that became to be four years later. And I think that there's something very interesting about even just the podcast interview that she and Brad did, right? Uh-huh. Because in it, he says, well, I met you when you were 38. And she said, well, you didn't know me in this capacity. And he said, oh, definitely not. Yeah. And I there was like a, there was an insistence that they hadn't gotten together before. And I just think that I don't believe that. I think that is probably likely that the connection was instant. And, you know, if she felt like her marriage was over, I think there was infidelity rumors actually on all sides mm. and maybe even rumors of an open marriage that, she actually, you know, got with Brad before before the conscious dissolution. I don't know, man. I I hear you. Those data points do feel very real, but there's something about the intentionality of their conscious uncoupling, uncoupling that I think doesn't align with cheating on your spouse or with Well, let's just remember that it was 4 years later that they actually uncoupled, so I, that might have left enough time for steam to be, you know, let out. And for emotions to settle down. I don't know. I just, uh, who knows? Maybe their kids knew about it. But I just think that if you're so committed to not traumatizing your kids, I don't think you would step out on your marriage. I agree. I just don't think that's the case here. Uh, I think that what timelines show basically is that, and what all the rumors are, is that she not only had an affair with Brad, she had an affair with another person, um, and that also he he was stepping out. So apparently it could have been something of an open marriage. Mm. I think actually what happened, like an open marriage at the end, but I think actually what happened and the, the reason why, you know, the story has been so basically silenced is yeah. that Brad was fully married when yeah. Gwyneth met him. Mm-hmm. Um, and his first wife, Suzanne, she basically just like disappeared off the face of the earth. It is not known whatever happened to her. She has no online presence. And after he met Gwyneth, he filed for divorce with Suzanne in 2013. And then a year later, Gwyneth and Chris announced their separation. Interesting. So, and it was, there were lots of blind items at the time that they were together. So that Gwyneth and Brad Falchuk were together. Speaking of which, my blinders are up. In this moment in time, you know, like I said, I'm PMSing. I'm not looking to be brought to tears during this recording. I just, I can't go there mentally. I can't go, I can't go there. My walls are up, whatever. And that would make me so sad if that was true, because I just believe her, you know, to have more integrity than that. And also Brad, didn't she say that she wanted a man with a handful of integrity or immense integrity or something like that earlier. Yeah, that was during her Luke Wilson phase. And, you know, I don't know, standards might have faltered as time progressed. But I... I think that the timeline is suspicious, but what we do know we have today is a very strong and vibrant second second marriage. Absolutely. And maybe we can just be the hypocrites that we are Mm -hmm. and just say that we love them together. And you know what? This is the only infidelity we endorse. Right. I love that radical honesty. And I think we should. (laughs) People, you know, everyone be the hypocrite you want to see in the world. Okay. Listen, if the breaking apart of a family resulted in the love poems on Instagram annually that Brad writes to Gwyneth, I don't know. It's, I think, a net positive for the world. Brad Falchuk is an example to men everywhere. Men everywhere should be following him on Instagram, should be soaking up all the knowledge he has. And so, yeah, he's, he's kind of paved the way. I'm actually going to have Kagan read all of his captions when he's preparing his vows as an inspo. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally inspo. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Thank you, Lauren. Well, 
Yeah, I do what I can. All right, you guys, Chandler has to go, okay, abruptly. Um, I guess she has to, you know, keep her career going in corporate America. Mm -hmm. Not enough Patreon subscribers yet. So I'm going to lead us up till present day. It's just probably five more minutes with some quotes uh, and some fun facts, and I'll finish out the episode solo. But Chandler, enjoy, you know, the gears of industry. Thank you. Take us home, Lauren. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, let's move on from this moment of righteous indignation, okay? Because clearly Chandler and I are hypocrites for a man who knows how to write an Instagram caption. And regardless of whether this relationship began under the dark night of infidelity or not, I want to talk about another kind of night, a specific night, (laughs) the wedding day. The wedding of Brad and Gwyneth. So this was a backyard wedding in the Hamptons. Did you know that Gwyneth lives in a little community called Amagansett in the Hamptons? Well, I looked it up. Um, Amagansett is known for being a community brimming with historic charm and local warmth. Rustic and refined, it possesses the ideal combination of low-key living and alluring elegance. This is from compass.com. The word Amagansett means place of good water, as named by the Montaukett Indians, and is perhaps one of the best kept secret of the Hamptons. Well, I guess Jessica and Jerry Seinfeld are in on it because they have a 12-acre oceanfront home in Amagansett in the Hamptons, and that is where the rehearsal dinner was held. So 70 guests were invited and to both the dinner and the wedding the next day. And I do find that to be really interesting because 70 is a really low number. Assuming that they each, you know, Gwyneth and Brad both had about 10 family members to invite, which is on the low end. Then after that, there were 50 guests left. They each can invite 25. And you got to consider every guest you invite has a partner. So then really you're looking at 12 people. Like 12 people and their partners you each can invite. I mean, for people so well-connected, for people who, you know, a wedding invite can almost be like a business connection for them, I'm sure. Um, It's quite the statement to have basically an elopement because that's really what this was. And I think that the aesthetic reflected that. So Brad and Gwyneth, their backyard wedding featured long rustic tables, bistro lights, organic, loose, garden-style florals. Really, this is not a wedding that is in any way reinventing the design wheel. In fact, I would say that this is very much a classic backyard wedding vibe. You know, right down to the cap sleeve lace keyhole back A-line wedding dress. You know, I really, to be honest, would have appreciated from Gwyneth a more exciting, more stylish wedding dress. That's probably my biggest source of contention within this entire event. I just think that for one of the tastemakers of our time, one of the two, Courtney and Gwyneth, um, but for the other tastemaker of our time, Gwyneth Paltrow, I just would have appreciated a dress that packed a little more punch. But you know what? Maybe cap sleeves are a little new to Amagansett and not, you know, it's a long way from Provo. So maybe it's a little actually chic in Amagansett. Maybe they haven't seen it before. Um, Anyway, one fact that I did find to just be utterly delicious to read about was the food. So they flew in this Argentine chef. And if you look at the photos, there's this huge bonfire and above it are whole ribeyes, whole chickens, whole lambs being cooked. I mean, this is a carnivore's paradise. Apparently it was served with all these delicious homemade sauces and signature sides from this world famous Argentine chef. It was basically like a, an episode of that Netflix show, um, chef's table, right in her Amagansett, Amagansett backyard. How many times am I going to say that neighborhood on this episode and butcher it? I'm sure all of my Hamptons listeners are rolling their eyes at how how wrong I've been saying it. But anyway, it was a star-studded affair. Of course, the Seinfelds were invited. They had 
Cameron Diaz, they had Steven Spielberg, her godfather, and then Robert Downey Jr., Rob Lowe, just the classic Gwyneth Paltrow besties. I find it a little embarrassing that I like firmly recognize all all of those people as fixtures in her life from how much I followed her and her interviews and people she's referenced. Um, But anyway, it did look absolutely beautiful. And I think, you know, one of the things about this relationship and really the reason why Chandler and I are so willing to give, you know, the uh, homewrecker vibes a pass is because really you can tell these people are truly in love. So this is one of the, this is the last sentence on goop.com where they were describing the marriage. This is what it says. It says, for the big day, perfect weather, a superlative dinner, a dance party for the ages, and a dress that defies adjectives. Hours later, when the last guest went home and the last champagne flute was cleared away, the day ended as it began with beauty, love, and two very happy people. I mean, I do think that this is a relationship that stands on its own that doesn't need a an event that's like so over the top um and I think there's something really sweet about that all right so one of my favorite things when it comes to a wedding is actually hearing from the bride and groom I feel like we hear way too little from them at weddings and way too much from random you know college friends so I wanted to bring you that experience here and have you listen to her discuss on Howard Stern, why exactly she wanted to get married again. Why marriage? Why not just stay boyfriend and girlfriend? Have you thought that through? I think that I would like to give it a proper shot. For the kids? No, I think for myself. I think that there's something really beautiful about marriage. I agree. I'm very pro-marriage. I'm in a happy marriage. I'm very happily married now. And I think something does change with that with that tradition. Yeah. And I think, you know, Brad is somebody who is extremely, you know, he's really intelligent and he's very emotionally intelligent. And I think he's a really good person to try this with. You know, he's very self-aware. He's got a lot of emotional maturity. Prenup. You got to work that out. <laughs> really? You're worth more than him. I don't know if that's true. Easily. You think? Well, what's he done? Just glee? Mm-mm. What else? American Horror Story. Oh, okay. Wait a second. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Maybe maybe, uh, maybe you shouldn't sign And 911, the huge Fox hit show, 911. That oh. Also. oh, this guy's got multiple things going. Yeah. And then he has a show that's... Um, called Pose that's premiering on FX. But don't you have to sit down with him and figure out like, okay, we're going to move in together. Have you, you guys do not live together yet. We don't. Okay. I'm going to move in. Who's going to pay for the groceries? Who's, I mean, seriously, how are we going to work this out? Well, I, I think we're just going to try and do it in our own way. Can you imagine just saying to someone, you need a prenup. You're worth more than him. What has he even done? Just glee. I mean, that is the reason why Howard Stern is so successful, because he says what everyone is thinking, what everyone wants to know, and he does it in a way that's so disarming. People actually reply and and answer his questions about their finances, about their sex lives. It's very impressive. Anyway, so this is something else Gwen has said. She said in an interview with Marie Claire UK, for a while I thought, I don't know if I'd ever do it again. I have my kids, what's the point? And then I met this incredible man who made me think, no, this person is worth making this commitment to. I'm very much the marrying kind. Um, Fun fact, Gwyneth and Brad took their honeymoon to the Maldives and they brought their kids and Chris Martin along. So this is Gwyneth Paltrow talking on live and with Kelly and Ryan about that decision. So did you honeymoon? Yes. Where'd you go? We actually, we got married at the end of September, but we just took our honeymoon um, in the Maldives. Oh. So we just, oh, there, we were there. Oh my God. A big family honeymoon over Christmas. Now you now it looks like a screensaver. That's what you want. It's a screensaver. Wait, wait. So tell me. So you had the kids, and so we had. So my new husband and his children, my children, my ex-husband, our best family friends. It was a very modern honeymoon. You know, this is really bringing conscious uncoupling to an entirely new level, but. 
I appreciate it. Um, it's making me want to do my honeymoon in the Maldives. I still don't have a honeymoon figured out, you guys. How embarrassing is that? Um, and then, so here we're going to end with a final clip about her f- moving in with Brad a year after their marriage. You guys, and, and correct me if I have any of this wrong, because I know people prior to your life, but you guys got married a year ago and yes. you moved in together like a month ago. Yes. Now, why was it? It's usually it goes the other way. Well, true. Mm-hmm. Um, I think really because we have, we each have two teenage children whom we love very much, but oh. we were just trying to be mindful and give them a little space and not move too quickly. And I see. So you did then merge like the Brady Bunch, but with less. Uh, yes, less, less merging and more originally. But now we're merged. And You're merged now. Great. And did he get to keep any of his stuff or is it all your stuff? Because I would imagine your stuff is better than his stuff or anyone's stuff, really. And there you have it, Gwyneth and Brad. You know, we started at the very beginning with a lot of, you know, 90s nobodies. We moved through a Brad Pitt engagement, breaking his heart to a Vigo Mortensen restyling and makeover, a catch-up air, a Luke Wilson dalliance, a moment with one Brian Adams, James Purifoy, who nobody cares about, and then of course a romance with royalty, King Felipe of Spain, to a marriage with one of the great rock stars of our time, Chris Martin. And finally, Gwyneth has fallen into the arms of Brad Falchuk, where I hope she one day closes her eyes before she meets her maker. Uh, What a stirring, stirring, stirring journey this has been. You guys, I hope you enjoyed this deep dive. Please, 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 please share the podcast. Chandler and I really need to start asking you guys to share the pod because I've noticed something when we ask you to do it, you definitely do. And we just appreciate it so much. So please do us a favor, text this episode or one of your favorite episodes. If you hated this episode, don't share it. Um, but text one of your favorites to, you know, everyone, you know, or a few friends and, you know, tell them to listen that they'll love it. We just really, really need your help growing the pod. So hope you all have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next time. Oh, and we are 35 reviews away from a thousand reviews on iTunes. So if you also want to leave us a review, it's extremely appreciated. Love y'all. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Apologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Bye.